Rinkwide Vancouver. Free game, post game, every game presented by Bodogs and Sports Odds. Free casino games make a play at Bodog.net. Wadden and J-Pat here with you once again with another week of Canucks talk. And boy, do we got some stuff to dig into today. We'll dive into that game one of the Stanley Cup final a little bit later on here. But big news coming out of Montreal, J-Pat. And I'll tell you what, I love this contract. Cole Caulfield, the 15th overall pick in the 2019 draft, gets an eight times $7.85 million, a $62.8 million total. Montreal locks up a bonafide goal scorer to eight years at JPAT. Like that is going to be one of the best value contracts in the league because all this kid does is score goals and he's going to score a plenty for Les Habitants. Right, and so people are saying, hey, wait a second, this is a Canucks pod. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah. Sure, so this obviously tracks back to the Canucks for a couple of reasons. One is uh, Cole Caulfield was selected in the 2019 draft, which was held where? Vancouver. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and also the Canucks, I think they had a pick ahead of the Montreal Canadiens in that draft, if I'm not mistaken. History tells me Vasily Podkolzin went 10th overall. So there are ways to track this news back to the Vancouver Canucks, and certainly we will do that. But on Caulfield himself, you know, like any young player, probably an overpayment for a year or two. Sure. But goal scorers get paid. And the Habs are betting that at the end of this thing, you're right, that they're going to come out looking sweet and that it's going to be a steal for them because uh, he is a clinical finisher and, you know, has been heading into the draft. Like, that was all the talk. Uh, Undersized, yeah, but in a league where we're seeing more and more undersized guys have success, uh, he's just a lethal finisher and uh, has already been to this stage in his career uh, what's it, 26 and 23 goal seasons on his resume, I believe. Um, you know, so he hasn't been to 30 goals yet. And that's why I say in the short term, probably a year or two of overpayment. But uh, again, I think the Montreal Canadiens are looking at the economics of the National Hockey League. We learned over the weekend that the cap's only going up by a mil this year. But the hope then is that it goes up substantially. And if that's the case, you're paying one of your top line guys under 8 million bucks to score goals and he does sort of give the appearance of a guy that should be a 30-goal scorer soon. And you know, I think if Montreal, you know, that team is obviously trying to build around guys at Caulfield and Nick Suzuki, I think 40 goals is a possibility uh, for that player. So, uh, yeah, a little bit of short-term pain, but I think you see the long game here for the Montreal Canadiens. And now it's up to Caulfield, obviously, to start earning uh, that salary. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's a guy that, uh, you know, did he get away from the Canucks? I don't know. Uh, but they certainly had a shot at him. There was you know, chat, I remember, kinda, like going into that. Yeah, talk. absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, people knew. And, and you know, as I say, I think we're at a point in time now where undersized players are getting the benefit of the doubt more than ever before because uh, the league's getting faster. It's more about skill. And uh, these guys find a way to, to get the job done. You know, you and I have had sort of this discussion at times. To me, the one that really feels like he got away was Matt Boldy of Minnesota because he was taking two picks after Pod Colson. There are a bunch of teams, obviously, that opted to select other players before Caulfield was taken by the Montreal Canadiens. So it's not just the Canucks. There were others that felt there were better options. But when the Canucks got to pick in there, I know that they had their eyes on Trevor Zegris, and he went one pick before Vasily Podkolzin. 
Uh, and we all will remember and not quite sure where Stan Smeal got the pronunciation, but uh, hey. <laughs> uh, Pud Colson was a Canuck, and then uh, two picks later, Minnesota went for Matt Boldy, and, and Boldy really has become the kind of player that you know, they're going to build around in Minnesota for, for years to come. I mean, big, strong, powerful guy who uh, puts pucks in the net with frequency. So, um, yeah, and, and that kind of brings us back, I guess, to Pud Colson. And, uh, like, I'm not prepared to give up on him. I, there's, I'm not flushing Vasily Pud Colson. I can't. But, man, does this feel like such a key year for him coming up a year this past season that was disappointing, I think, across the board. Like, there's no other way to look at it. Started the year in Vancouver, got sent down, really didn't burn up the American Hockey League, but earned the recall, and then, you know, got the recall out of the All-Star break. There was sort of a week there where we saw some flash, and you thought, okay, like, you know, he's going to find that rookie form, but really, it, you know, the rest of the season, there wasn't a whole lot there, and then ultimately got hurt. Uh, to the point that he wasn't available to play down in Abbotsford uh, in the playoffs. And so still remarkably young. But when you look at that 2019 draft class, we're four years removed from coming up on four years from the 2019 draft class. Like there are guys that are already leaving their mark all over the National Hockey League. And you just can't say that about Vasily Podkul. Yeah, Jack Hughes is a superstar. We we I yes. think we figured that out. But JPAD, like, look at Cole Caulfield in just his second full season. It wasn't even a full season because he only played 46 games last year. He had 26 goals. So if you even that out over 82, that's 46 goals. That puts him in the top yeah. 10 in goals scored. He's right there with Jason Robertson, who scored 46 uh, this year. Hughes right behind him at 43. So uh, basically, Cole Caulfield is projecting to be, at least in terms of goal scoring, you know, a legit superstar in this league as well. I mean, if you're if you're flirting with 50, like you're a superstar in this league. But then you look at the rest of that draft, and really the player that's probably going to be number two behind Jack Hughes when it's all said and done is Moritz Sider at sixth overall, right? Um, the Canucks with, yeah, as you mentioned, Vasily Podkolzin in that draft, but Nils Hoaglander at 40th overall, he has got the eighth most amount of games played amongst people in that draft. Now, the biggest loser, if you will, in this was probably the Los Angeles Kings, who drafted Alex Turcott fifth overall. He's played 12 NHL games. Again, there is still room, but at this point, you're probably wondering what the heck's up with this player. Aiden McDonough was a sixth rounder in that draft. He's played six games already in the NHL. So <laughs> it's interesting to see here, but you know, there you got Hoaglander at 141 games played and Pod Colson with 118 games played. That's what, both of them in like the top 10 or 12 or so amongst uh, players in that draft in terms of games played in the NHL. Yeah, Turcotte's fascinating to me because remember, that whole draft was all about that U.S. National True. Under 18 team. And I mean, tons of guys have already produced. And yet, uh, you know, one year at the University of Wisconsin where he was basically a point of game guy. And then since turning pro, it hasn't played a lot coming in the back end of COVID. But, you know... Uh, when he has played, even in the American Hockey League, not a huge producer in this past season, you know, 17 points in 32 yeah. games for the Ontario Reign and just four games for the Los Angeles Kings, still looking for his first NHL point. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I know that they've got a, a deep draft prospect pool, but that's a swing and a miss, at least so far. Big time. Um, yeah. You know, but yeah, I, I think when you look, I mean, it was Jack Hughes, it was Capo Caco, it was Kirby Doc. Those were the top three. 
Bowen Byram, uh, yeah, again, like Injury. if he can stay yeah. healthy, he has the potential to be a game changer and already has Stanley Cup ring. The dark horse, like outside of Jack Hughes, the dark horse sort of best pick in the top 10, Buffalo getting Dylan Cousins. Turning into a good Ooh. player. Yeah. Has already played 200 NHL games. He had 68 points this last season. And we know that the Sabres could score. Uh, but Dylan Cousins looks like he's just kind of starting to hit his stride in the National Hockey League. Uh, Broberg went to Edmonton, eighth overall, Zegris to Anaheim, then Pud Colson. Victor Soderstrom, who's played 50 games for the Arizona Coyotes. He was the 11th overall pick. Matthew Boldy. Uh, there was a lot of talk about Florida kind of reaching and taking a goaltender and Spencer Knight, 13th overall, and obviously... Panthers are doing okay these days, but Spencer Knight uh, in the NHL, NHLPA uh, assistance program. So hopefully he gets everything sorted out and back on track. They believe in him, though. Uh, they gave him a contract, right? Yeah. yeah like he, they, yeah. they still believe he is their goalie of the future. So still the books yeah. is to be written still on Spencer Knight. But goaltenders take a while, as we know. As, you know I think if you're the Kings, you're very scared of, of what's going to be Alex Turcott. I, I, it's, you know, but when it comes yeah. to the Canucks, though... You know, like what what do they got here? Like we saw Aiden McDonough this year, and I think there's it's gonna be a slow sort of roll with him in terms of his progression right now. But you know, Nils Hoaglander and Vasily Podkolzin, like what are they ultimately going to be? Like and if if Podkolzin ends up being, you know, top nine kind of guy and you know, maybe let's say half a point a game player, maybe flirts with twenty goals here and there, like, is that gonna be enough? Well, look, it's fascinating, and you can spin these things any way you want. Like, I could tell you that the Vancouver Canucks are the only team in the NHL to have two players from that 2019 draft yeah. that are in the top 17 of yeah. the, the draft class scoring right now, and that is, that's a fact. But, you know, neither one of them has star power. Hoaglander is fascinating because I do think, like, we sort of forget that you know, he burst out of the scene as a guy that had just turned 20 that first year, came over from Sweden, played in the, you know, the no fans in the stands uh, season. That was his rookie year. And then followed it up, obviously had a second season. And then last year, you know, barely touched the NHL, went down to Abbotsford. And that's the last we've seen of him. But you're right. Like eighth in games played out of the draft class. Nils Hoagletter is 10th in NHL scoring from that draft class, despite not even playing in the NHL uh, this past season, or at least not very much. So uh, that's why, like, I don't want to write Hoaglander off. I don't want him to be a sweetener for the Vancouver Canucks. Like, I want to see how motivated this guy is after sort of being the forgotten man last year and having to spend the bulk of the season in the American Hockey League. Uh, I want to see them give him an opportunity. And the fact that other teams have been sniffing around on him, you know, that tells you that other teams see some value there, that they're interested. They were interested in the draft. And uh, so I, to me... It would just feel like such a mistake if the Canucks had to part with Niels Hoaglander uh, to make something happen. But again, we know the predicament they're in. So, you know, this isn't complete fabrication. Uh, let's see how they skate themselves out of uh, the cap logjam that they're in. And, and Niels Hoaglander may have to be a chip. But ultimately, um, you know, the way that Rick Tockett wants these guys to play, like I, I want to see Niels Hoaglander get an opportunity to play out of Rick talking. I know he's not the biggest guy, but the motor's always running. We've seen that. Uh, he's been successful, solid underlying numbers, but we've also heard from not one, but two NHL head coaches in Travis Green and Bruce Boudreau that they had concerns about his defensive play. You know, did the year in Abbotsford 
change him? Was Jeremy Colton able to get through to him so that when he gets back to the National Hockey League, whether it's here in Vancouver or somewhere else, you know, has he addressed some of those weaknesses uh, in his own zone? But, um, you know, when you look at the 2019 draft, uh, Pod Colson, Hoaglander, Arthur Silovs, Aiden McDonough, I mean, four guys out of that draft class, not even four years removed, that have touched the National Hockey League. Like, that's a pretty solid draft, regardless how it goes from here uh, for all of those guys. And, I mean, that's likely it. I mean, you know, the other part of the draft class, Ethan Kep and Carson Folk, Carl Plaschik, Jack Malone, and uh, they renounced the right star of it, Kosmar. Uh, or, sorry, Kosmar was the seventh overall pick. Um, seventh round in pick. that year's draft, right? Yeah. Didn't go seventh, seventh round pick. You're not seventh overall. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I was thinking Lucas Forsell was the one that they renounced the draft rights to because he was a 21 uh, draft class. So, anyways, I'm talking in circles there. But it, it, the bottom line is that they're not going to get. It doesn't look like anything else is coming out of that draft class. But still, if you get four guys uh, that have played NHL games from any draft class, you know, I think that that qualifies as a success for the scouting staff and for the management group. And of course that was, um, you know, at Rogers arena, there kind of felt like there was a little added pressure for the Canucks to get it right. That was the year that they did made the JT Miller deal on the back end of, uh, the, the second day of the draft. So lots going on for the Canucks that year. But when you swing and you have a pick in the top 10, you want to believe that you're getting a player. And uh, I just, I don't know. I don't know where it goes from here for Vasily Podkolzin, who to me still you know, gives the, the appearance of a guy that should be the kind of player that Rick Tockett would be drooling over, right? Big size, win your board battles. Uh, I still want to see him be a penalty killer. And that just hasn't happened. And, and the team was 32nd on the penalty kill. Like, what do you have to lose to try yeah, to integrate exactly. uh, yeah. a player like that yeah. that's willing to, you know, use his size effectively, probably throw himself in front of pucks and eat a few pucks along the way? Uh, you know, I think ultimately for Pod Colson, like, you know, he doesn't give the signs of being a, a really high, high score, but everybody talked about well-rounded game. Um, you know, the kind of guy that you would want out there in the last minute of a game if you're protecting a lead and, you know, those types of things. I still think that there's value in Vasily Pod Colson. I'm not writing them off, but when you see what Matthew Boldy has already become, when you see Cole Caulfield getting the kind of contract he did, it just, you can't see it any other way than Pod Colson is starting to fall behind uh, the rest of that first half of, of the 2019, you know, first round. Yeah. And I know Quinn Hughes and, and Elias Patterson are absolute home runs in the top 10. But, uh, you know, and I'm not, I'm not writing off Pod Colson in terms of, like, you know, where Jake Vertanen or Ole Uolevi are in their careers. And I think Pod Colson will be a legitimate NHL player. But a, a top 10 pick, like, you got to get a guy that's that's in your top six, especially as a forward, right? And, you know, to miss on guys like Uolevi and Vertanen, it's just snowballing more for the Canucks. Like, the reality is, out of that draft, Arthur Seeloffs might be the best guy that they drafted in that draft. Yeah. Right. And you went through all the picks. They had a bunch of picks in that one. And don't get me wrong, like finding a goaltender in the sixth round is an absolute home run. But missing, you know, perhaps on a, on a top 10 pick, that's going to be tough. Um, where do you, I'm just looking at depth charts now for the Canucks. And it just all depends on really, you know, like, is Anthony Beauvillier going to make it through this offseason and be a Canuck come next year? It, same can be said for Connor Garland and or. Uh, Brock Besser. But I think the rest of the lineup we're pretty confident is going to be there. Tanner Pearson looks like he's headed for LTIR. 
But so where do, where do you think, you know, opening night, and we might be getting a little too far ahead of ourselves considering that we don't know who, what they'll do in free agency, but could you see, you know, Pod Colson on right wing, Hoaglander on left wing, perhaps on a third line for the Canucks come opening night? That would be that third line that uh, still looking for a center. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I want to believe that those guys are going to have you know, treated this past season where they were sent down and like Pud Colson played those two playoff games in the AHL end of last year, but really this was the first time that he had been demoted, right? Like um, they just wanted to extend his rookie season and he agreed to go and play. So there was no punishment there. That was just a chance for him to play uh, playoff hockey. This year he was demoted. His performance didn't warrant him staying at the NHL level. He was kind of spinning his wheels. I think they wanted to protect him a little bit from the toxicity that was starting to uh, evolve just around the big league club. So, you know, I understood and and actually agreed with the idea of him going down, but it was just when he got back up, other than a really short pop, there there wasn't a whole lot more to his game. So, um, you know, I, I, I want to believe that these guys are proud that they understand that what they did last year wasn't good enough to stay at the NHL level. And, you know, I mean, Hoaglander sounded like he had a pretty solid season in Abbotsford. But, you know, ultimately, is he a Rick Tockett guy? And, you know, when you look at what they've got, again, I still think that there's going to be a trade coming for one of these wingers that we've spent so much time talking about. So it is tough to start to, you know, really carve out depth charts without knowing who's going to be here and who's not. Um, and we know how much talk it loved Dakota Joshua and Nils Amon as a pair, but I still see those guys essentially as as fourth line. Certainly Amon as a center. Dakota Joshua, I think, could play a little higher in the lineup, but if you like the two of them together and the chemistry there, then, you know... It, it's hard to imagine that Pod Colson or Hoaglander would get slotted in ahead of Dakota Joshua on any depth chart just based on the kind of season that they all had last year. Mm. Oh, do you put yeah, no, Hoaglander you, ahead of No, you're right. I mean, you're, it's, to say it out loud and, and to think about it, you're like, <laughs> yeah, no, you're probably right there. Uh, but then there's also Ilya Mikheyev, who's kind of the forgotten man here, right? Like, is bit, he going to yep. be a top six forward for them? I, I, you know, I'm, I'm on cap friendly right now, looking at their depth chart. They've got Mikheyev slotted in on the second line with Miller and Bovillier, with Connor Garland down with uh, PDG and Nils Amon. Again, this is that's not going to be the way it shakes out, shakes out come the start of next season. Like, they're going to have to find a three C. We know that, but it's going to be very interesting to see exactly what you know, Pat Colson, Hoaglander end up being for this Vancouver Canucks team. And ultimately too, like I said, Ilya Mikheyev, like Mikheyev in Toronto was top nine guy, you know, flirted with the top six here and there, big PK guy, as we know, but half the reason why I believe at least he wanted to get out of Toronto was he wanted an opportunity to play a little bit higher up in the lineup. Do the Canucks see that for him this year? So Again, that uh, you know wealth of wingers that they have, and I don't know if wealth is perhaps the right term for it, but boy, do they got a lot of wingers. Surplus. And it's all, yeah, well, long jams. Yeah. Surplus. Yeah. Uh, and, and keep in mind that Ilya Mikheyev played three games for Rick Tockett. Tockett came in. Mikheyev played that week, and then that final game against Columbus before the All-Star break, they he scored, they shut him down. And so Tockett hasn't seen a healthy Mikheyev. Mikheyev hasn't had a chance to 
truly put his best foot forward for Rick Tockett, but with what they're paying him and I think the expectations on him sort of doing what he did in Toronto that final year, and he had decent not like for a guy that wasn't fully healthy, mm-hmm. he, McCann's numbers were okay for the Canucks last year, and I still think he can contribute more on the penalty kill. Uh, I would slot him into my top six. Yeah, like if I'm putting a depth chart in pencil, I think Ilya Mikheyev is one of their six best forwards. But that's, again, not knowing uh, who else is playing the wings and who's on the roster uh, when training camp rolls around. But you're right, like, you know, Phil Giuseppe is probably in the mix, but I don't, if this team's going to take strides and move forward, then he can't, like, sorry, I, I just don't think he can be a full-time top six guy where he spent much of uh, the second half of last season, you know, it was fine. He played the way that Tockett wanted, but... To me, he's a bottom six guy. Like, he could float up and, and give you a little bit of... Because he's just got that speed, right? So, yeah. you know, you're... You know, and, and, and he's tenacious, yeah. and he does win battles and all those types of things, but, like, you know, I, I would like to see what a line of Amon, Joshua, and PDG looked like. Me too, yeah. But for that to happen, you've got to get DiGiuseppe out of your top six and then find the proper replacements there. So, you know, all this kind of stuff will come into focus over the summer, but, you know, like these are the questions that Rick Tockett has to deal with. And then ultimately, uh, you know, what other toys does he have at his disposal? And that kind of opens us up to free agency and, you know, not expecting them to make much of a splash, but, you know, you could make an argument that their best money spent in free agency last year was a guy like Dakota Joshua. Can they replicate that this time around? All right, well, let's dive into free agency then on the other side. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them. The Dome will be rocking. Should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com. And check this out. They start at just 30 bucks, and kids 17 and under can get in for 15 So bring the noise. Fill the Dome. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. All right, so before we get into the free agency talk a little bit here, because we did pose a question on our Twitter account at Rinkwide Van today, we got to remind the people we got two more gift ah, cards, yes. $50 gift cards to give away to Best Buy. Uh, head over to Twitter at Rinkwide Van and follow the post. You'll see all the instructions that you need to do there. And like we mentioned, you have to follow all the steps or you will not, you'll be eliminated. You won't be able to take home 50 sweet dollars to Best Buy. So go over there, do all the steps. We'll announce the last two winners of this Friday. Uh, As mentioned, we asked the people today, keeping in mind the team's lack of cap space, give us some free agents you realistically think the Canucks should pursue come July 1st. Now, we put this out uh, about two hours ago before recording, so... Uh, and a little sleepy on a Monday from some people. So we didn't really get any names, but we got two interesting replies. 
This is from Steve, who says, should pursue on July 1st, question mark. None of them. The key to free agency, or UFA, is to see which of the players didn't get a seat on the musical chair day of July 1st and sign them later in the month. I don't know if that's a good strategy for the Canucks, J-Pad, especially can, when you consider, you know, there's a lot of people that want to bring back somebody like Luke Shen. Luke Shen had a very good a dollar figure, you you know, some team might overpay for Luke Shen, but what's an overpay? Over $2 million? I would say that. So are you, if you're going to be in on them, I don't think you can let it shake out and, you know, see what's around, say, you know, July 15th. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I think I understand where this guy's coming from, though. It's that the Canucks, I think, have to be really disciplined here, recognizing that they don't have a lot of money to spend. And they've got to set their sights on realistic targets. And that's where I come back to uh, Dakota Joshua. Like, nobody, nobody in hockey was talking about, oh, there's going to be a bidding war for Dakota Joshua, or here's an undervalued guy that, you know, teams should be hot and heavy on. Ryan Johnson had seen him. Ryan Johnson had him in Utica during the COVID uh, crossover there where St. Louis and the Canucks uh, were sharing, uh, you know, farm, uh, a farm team. And... It was a little bit of a flyer, but it was an educated guess, and it's worked out. And Dakota Joshua was, you know, a really good signing and, and good value for the Vancouver Canucks. Can they find that kind of guy? So, you know, while other teams are going to be out there shopping, and and look, this is by all standards, this is not a really sexy uh, class of unrestricted free agents. But there are players, and there are guys that can get their money. Uh, but the Canucks, you know, they're shopping in a different aisle. They are. Like, they're going to be looking at players that maybe have, uh, you know, toiled elsewhere. That this is where you rely on your analytics department. You rely on your pro scouting. Uh, you know, let's see what kind of job those areas come up with for the Vancouver Canucks. And, you know, they may add a name or two that nobody is talking about. Like, I know the guys at the Athletic had a long list of centers yeah. that the Canucks should be checking out. You know, Pius Suter was near the top of their list, and I, I think hardcore hockey fans recognize the name Pius Suter. I don't know that uh, people have the book on him, but it would make me wonder, like, if he gets to unrestricted free agency, like, he's the kind of player, to me, that the Detroit Red Wings should want in the fold. But we said that about Philip Ronick as well, so I'm not totally sure... What Steve Eiserman's doing, but Steve Eiserman has done more to build championship hockey teams than I have, so you have to trust that uh, he knows what he's doing there. But Pius Suter, I think, could be an affordable kind of third line center option for the Vancouver Canucks. And another name that comes up is David Camp, who I, I think he gave the Leafs what they were looking for through the regular season, but then basically was nowhere to be found in the playoffs. No goals. 11 yeah. games. You got to get like, again, he's not, he doesn't have the offensive attributes that the Canucks need for right. a three. Season. And so 11 goals is the most he's ever scored yeah. in a season. I, like, that's, yeah. I know big body and he penalty killed. He needs some penalty killing help. All those kinds of things. I get that. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, I think I would take a pass on a, on a guy like David camp, um, you know, and, and then we'll see where it goes for the Canucks. But I think they go into this recognizing that they're not going to be in a position to be big spenders and so hopefully their hands are tied because you're right. I mean, this is an organization that's just come through a decade where really a lot of what we're talking about 
you know, it has its roots on July 1st, just the bad, bad contracts, whether it was Louis Erickson, whether it was Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel, on and on it goes. Like, they're still paying to get out from under all of that kind of stuff, even though those contracts aren't on the books, but the the lingering effects, uh, you know, there are knock on, uh, certainly. So this is a new management group, and we'll see what they've got up their sleeve. Probably overpaid to get Ilya Mikheyev last year. Bit of a luxury item that I'm not sure that this group needed you know, in the situation that they were in. But I think they felt that the penalty kill was so bad that that was an area that they had to address. You know, they tried Curtis Lazar. And again, I, I'll i go to my grave thinking uh, Lazar at a million bucks a year was kind of the right idea. It just it, that player didn't work out, but they turned around and they got a fourth round pick for him. So, you know, to me, uh, more of those. Take some swings, you know, low risk bets that have some upside and ultimately, if they don't work out, you either bury them in the minors or maybe you can turn and, you know, recoup something uh, closer to the trade deadline. So that's kind of the my expectations for the Vancouver Canucks when it comes to unrestricted free agency this year is they're not shopping in the, you know, the, the aisle with all the bling. That's just, they're not in a position to do that. Now it's can they unearth some guys that can come in and help them on value contracts. Yeah, they're going to the Pretty dollar much, store, yeah. are they? That's where that's where they're yeah. shopping. Yeah. All right. Well, by the way, too, you weren't one of those black aces in the mid nineties for uh, the Red Wings. No. You, you, no. You, no? no. Oh, okay. Sure. Uh, this is from Drew. Says for once, I would like the Canucks to refrain from signing free agents and just use what you have. <sighs> Let contracts run out and or try to trade expiring ones at the deadline because that's super easy. Do a bit of a reset cap-wise, and the super easy part was me being tongue-in-cheek there. Uh, do a bit of a reset cap-wise without rebuilding. The FA pool isn't that great this year. Uh, this is pie-in-the-sky stuff here from Drew. <laughs> like, this is, again, this is Groundhog Day for the Vancouver Canucks, this reply here from Drew. I don't know about you. But that's well, I don't know about I Groundhog think. Day because Groundhog Day would be more of Beagle and Roussel and, and those ones. I, I think this would be showing uh, restraint that they simply haven't, but teams generally don't. Like most teams dip their toe in the water uh, to some degree on free agency. So I'm expecting that even with limited resources, the Canucks are going to try uh, to get in and, and again, unearth some some value, uh, whether they're successful you know, time's going to tell there. But yeah, in terms of just sitting there and twiddle your thumbs, because again, like I don't know how many times we can say this, their stated objective is to be a playoff team. Like they want to get this moving in the right direction. They don't want to burn another year of Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes in their primes. And so it's about surrounding those guys with players that can help them reach their achieved or achieve their stated goal of getting back to the playoffs. So you know, just to sit there and let contracts expire. And by the way, if you look at cap friendly, like one, you know, Tanner Pearson is one of the guys that's going into the final year of his deal, but there aren't many guys on expiring contracts for next year. Tyler Myers contract will come off the books, I suppose. But, you know, again, that's part of why we keep coming back to Garland and Besser is that they've got term that would clear cap space, not just this year, but for uh, a couple of years, at least in Besser's case, three years for Garland, uh, we'll see if, you know, ultimately they're able to to make something like that happen. So, yeah, I don't see them sitting on the sidelines, but I also don't see them making much of a splash in free agency unless they make a bigger splash on the trade front that will free up some cap space for them to start shopping uh, in and around July 1st. 
The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place. Kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one. Playoff football, BC Place. The Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them. The Dome will be rocking. Should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com. And check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Rinkwide Vancouver is presented by Bodog Sports Odds, Poker Tips, and Free Casino Games. It's time to play. No, it's time for a little playoff talk, Stanley Cup final talk. J-Pad as the uh, Stanley Cup final kicked off over the weekend. And of course, our playoff talk, our Stanley Cup final talk is presented by our buddy Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage. Yeah, Cup is underway and uh, so is uh, the, the hunt for the right mortgage product for a lot of people out there getting into the housing market or if they're up for renewal. You know, these are challenging times. There's just a, a lot going on. What's the right product for you, fixed or variable? Uh, you know, getting the best rate possible. That's where Jason Hominick comes into all of this. And you're not expected to have all the answers. Like, this is complex stuff. He's the expert here. He's been at it for close to three decades, and he wants to help you. He's been helping Rinkwide listeners, and he can help you as well. It starts with a phone call. So, again, don't think that you should be going at this alone. Like, consult with an expert. Jason Hominick is there for you. Uh, reach out. All of his contact info is on his website. So easy to remember. Jason.mortgage. 5-2 victory for the Vegas Golden Knights in game one, a game that Florida opened the scoring in. But I know you love this. Oh, VGK getting two oh, goals from the blue line. Theodore, the local product, uh, getting a tally, but White Cloud with the game winner. The game, uh, by the way, too, was tied all up at one, and Aiden Hill made an all-time save on Nick Cousins uh, to preserve that lead for VGK, and ultimately they go on to win the game. But yeah, those two goals from the blue line, j I know you love that. You can't see it. It's a podcast, but fist pumps. <laughs> I'm rubbing my hands with glee. Uh, Shea Theodore has kind of been quiet. Yeah, to this point in the playoffs, but you see what makes him a, a special player. Uh, the way that he just controlled the puck and drew guys to him and then walked the blue line and eventually found his shooting lane. Uh, that was special stuff. And it was a, a nice goal and it was a big goal for Vegas. And then Zach Whitecloud, you know me, you're right. Uh, goals from defensemen. I'll take them all day, every day. Unfortunately, everything tracks back to the Canucks on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I shouldn't have, but I went again Uh-oh. just to look at the Canucks goal scoring from defensemen uh, through the regular season. And you, you forget how quickly it falls off after Quinn Hughes. And Hughes led the way with seven. Ethan Bear with three was ah. tied for second with Luke Shen. <laughs> So, anyways, we get back to the Stanley Cup here, but the sniper that is Luke Shen. Yeah. By the way, off-season numbers that hurt are these allowed? Like, yeah, I don't know. Oh yeah, right, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, but look, playoff hockey is like this is the best of the best, right? Like these are the last two teams standing. Uh, so often, the stars get special attention, the stars get held in check, and then it's a question of. You know, do your depth guys step up? And we've seen depth guys on both sides. William Carrier and Keegan Colesar and Nick Cousins have all come up. And, and 
nothing that says you can't get contributions from the back end as well. And so Vegas uh, did a nice job of that the other night, and we'll see if uh, they're able to carry on with that. But Aiden Hill putting the hammer down with the paddle down, that was, and it just it took me right back to Braden Holtby in that same building back in 2018 uh, off Alex Tuck. I mean, there was the real similarities. That was the save of those playoffs. And That's right. Aiden yeah. Hill basically doing what Braden Holtby did. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just the, the lift that that gives the team that gets that kind of save. And sure enough, Vegas was able to uh, carry on and uh, tip away. I love the, the, the Duclair goal right off the, the face. Like, it looked like Vegas was going to take the lead to the room after 40 minutes, and, you know, defensive zone face off and you just think it just kill off the final 12 seconds and man like off the face off a bit of a fortunate bounce off a shin pad as well but uh yeah tight game going to the third and vegas found its way to to get the win so vegas up one and we'll see if they can carry on again i'm picking them i had them in five so uh you know if they can get up a two nothing lead i'm not writing florida off because uh again they haven't played a home game in this thing yet uh, and look, they've responded throughout these playoffs. They lost the first one to Boston way back when. And we know how that series turned out. So uh, there's some characters on that team. Uh, Vegas did a nice job, kept Matthew Kachuk in check for the most part. And then, you know, it kind of got a little squirrely there at the end. And he wasn't around for the final five minutes. And he had lots of company as the refs were just like, you and you and you and you, get out of here. You're gone, done for the night. Um so they were trying stuff. hard to get Vegas to to get into yeah. the mix there, and it's just they weren't falling for it. I love the composure that Vegas is showing right now, and, and the fact too that like it's Aiden Hill, like Aiden Hill is your goaltender, and it's like ho hum, doesn't matter who's <laughs> back it, there. Just on the composure front, though, was it there was that big scrum um, that led to a bunch of guys getting misconducts, and then it looked like it was over, and then Sam Bennett came in and he yeah, like, the glove that. punch. On, I think it was Nick Hag. Yeah, and he just laughed and, at him. <laughs> but then, like, he did the all-time hair flip. It was just yeah. incredible. It was like, that's the best you got? Yeah. The hair just goes, like, perfectly back. And, and then Bennett uh, got lumped in with the rest of them. So you're right. Uh, you know, sometimes you got to turn the other cheek at uh, playoff time. And Vegas did a pretty good job of that. Um, and so Florida's got its work cut out for it. But, I mean, I figured that was going to be the case. So... Uh, they were in it through 40 minutes, and now they've just got to figure out a way to get it right in the third period. Uh, otherwise, you know, a 2 nothing hole, not insurmountable, as people in Vancouver True. know all too well. <laughs> True. But, uh, boy, the statistics tell you. And and if Vegas wins, I hate this time of year because if they get up 2 nothing, everybody trots out the statistics about the success rate of teams that go up 2 nothing in the Stanley Cup final. It's like 93%, but... Uh, more again. numbers that hurt. I th- oh, I know. <laughs> well, I tweeted it out the other day because I was just sitting around on, ahead of the game, and I was like, people don't talk about... I mean, there was so much to talk about in that 2011 Stanley Cup final, but game one was one of the all-time great games ever played at Rogers Arena, when Rafi Torres scored with like 17 or 19 seconds left in a scoreless game, like you just think of the buildup and the anticipation and no goals through 59 minutes and it looked like overtime was on the way. And and then Ryan Kessler made an incredible play, got the puck to Hanson, Hanson to Torres, and they score. And obviously that was one of the themes of that Stanley Cup final as we go down memory lane and revisit history. But, you know, the Canucks had to work that hard to get a goal past Tim Thomas and ultimately... They did, and the Bruins didn't get any past Roberto Luongo, who had two shutouts in that series, but that's not what he's remembered for 
because uh, ultimately it's yeah. uh, about getting four wins. So Luongo and the Canucks were up one nothing in that series. Luongo and the Florida Panthers are down one nothing in this series. But uh, again, Luongo, uh, I'm sure he recognizes that uh, you can't win or lose the cup on opening night. So Florida's in a little bit of a deficit, but uh, they're not out, uh, not down by you know. They're, they're certainly. Give That's them every opportunity. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. give them See every opportunity to, yeah. to bounce back. Yeah, goalie Bob looking a little human as well in that game. But yeah. you know goalie Bob, he could he could bounce back. We've seen him do it so far uh, in these playoffs. I am enamored by um, Aiden Hill right now, though. Of course, Comox BC's Aiden yeah. Hill. Just interested to see exactly, like, if he ends up being a Stanley Cup champion, and I am getting ahead of myself, but if he ends up being a Stanley Cup champion, actually, even if he doesn't, just the fact that he you know, he's been able to be the guy that brought them uh, this far – what happens to him in the offseason? Like, where does he go in terms of, you know, people trying to pursue him? He's a UFA. He made 2.175 this year. You know, does he get a raise? Does some team think that he could be a number one? Like, it's, I think it's going to be fascinating. I was listening to 32 Thoughts this morning. They were talking about the backup goaltending position as well and how this offseason is going to be kind of fascinating because, you know, teams now know, like, you need depth. You yep. just can't ride a horse anymore all the way to a Stanley Cup final. And we we batted that around earlier in the season. Uh, as well, because we we're smart here on on Rinkwide Vancouver. We we get ahead of things. Ah, yes. Now, although people might argue this, uh, because my best bets have just been awful throughout the playoffs. All right, well, it's a new week, so yeah, wipe the slate clean. Okay, I'm going to try and look smart tonight because I like the value of this. You know me; I don't like minus values. I don't want to be laying money to make money. VGK on the puck line tonight minus a goal and a half plus one eighty. Take it to the bank. I got VGK taking game two tonight by more. Uh, the two goals or more, that is, at plus 180. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm expecting Vegas to win this one. I just like I like the way that they play. Uh, I like the way that they played in the opener. Now, Florida had had the lengthy layoff, and I do think that you have to take that into account. That, sure. you know, I, 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 like this is the Stanley Cup final. You want to believe that they're prepared, but there is something just about that game readiness and that like locked in sharpness that they didn't seem to have, even though they opened the scoring and were tied at two. So, you know, they've got their legs under them. The guys that hadn't been there before, they now have a taste. That Vegas building is off the hook. And I can only imagine what it's like even more so in the Stanley Cup final. Like it was crazy yeah. uh, when the Canucks were in there and the Canucks were bad and it was the regular season and there was no business having the atmosphere that did. But uh, that is definitely home ice advantage. And so, again, I think, uh, you know, if anybody, uh, did I, I think I read or heard on the broadcast that Florida's never won a game in Vegas. Now, they haven't played there a lot because Vegas has only been really? in the leagues. Well, they've only been oh. in the league six years, right? Yeah. And they only play there guess, once a year. So, yeah, okay. it, yeah, this right. isn't like a streak that's gone into decades, but. Vegas protects home ice. They've been a really good team throughout their existence. Uh, they call it the Fortress for a reason. And all the pregame hype. And I mean, they just do it up right again. Did if you, you see a- that intro? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's unbelievable. It, it's next level now. But even in the regular season, like it, it is worth it. Like I know that a lot of our listeners have been to Vegas. You'll get there someday. Uh, right. Uh, but I'm the outlier for sure. But, like, it's worth it. Like even you know, you're not you know, like lots of people have made the trek down when the Canucks have been there and tried to build a weekend around the Canucks. That's great. But if you're going and the Canucks aren't there, but the Knights are at home, like the game presentation, it is different. It's it's Vegas, and they do it up. And you know, it's not for everybody. I loved it. Bot used to hate it. Like it was hilarious what? to watch. No, oh, it was too loud. He was trying to like write in the pregame and the warm up. Like the warm up. They do. Like, they crank the tunes to 12 on the the speakers and stuff. Like, I remember 
he used to have a water bottle that he would like just you know standard water bottle that you could buy anywhere yeah and it was shaking and and so was he and he just like i tried to talk to him and he couldn't hear a word i was saying and that got him like it was hilarious because then it just got him upset and we used to like get making each other mad yeah. uh, that was part of our shtick but anyways i loved it like i couldn't get enough of vegas game presentation i can only imagine what that building would just be thumping uh you know from the the minute the doors are open to the second the guys hit the ice for warm-up to you know the anthem and then the puck drop and all that kind of stuff so it's definitely a home ice advantage and it's something that vegas is gonna have to overcome and we'll see if florida can replicate uh you know <laughs> south florida hasn't always been home ice advantage for the panthers but people do seem to be buying into yeah. what they've got going on and just especially with the heat and the heat getting their win uh to go back to miami tied you know 1-1 in the nba final and we'll see if uh, the florida panthers can match what their basketball brethren uh did in denver last night so they turn it up to 12 they're one upping spinal tap who turned it up to 11 exactly. there yeah, oh, yeah. all right yeah, yeah, well there yeah. you go they always do it bigger in Vegas. We do it big here on Rinkwide Vancouver, and we're going to continue to do that throughout the week here because this has been another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver podcast presented by Bodog for Jeff Patterson. I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rinkwide is the show. But always-